You're listening to the North Parkway Podcast, weekly talks designed to help you take the next step in your spiritual journey. You can learn more about our church at northparkway.org. And if these talks are helpful to you, consider using the link in the description to give. Your financial support helps us continue to make great content. All right, well, that's enough intro. Let's get to today's talk. Have you ever been so dirty that you even made the soap dirty trying to get cleaned up? Ever been at that level of absolute filth? I have plenty of times. When I was a kid, I was just like you probably were. I loved playing outside and kids have this amazing ability to find dirt and mud. It's like they have a magnet for it. I remember one time as a little boy being really dirty and wanting to come in for dinner. But before dinner, I had to get cleaned up. And so I got in the bath and I remember scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing until to my wonder and dismay, I looked at the bar of soap and realized not only was I still dirty, but I was so muddy that I made the bar of soap dirty. Now, how are you supposed to get cleaned up if the thing that makes you clean has become infected by your dirtiness? Most kids get by just fine with a little dirt under the fingernails or an oily scalp. But there are times in life where mostly clean, still not clean enough. Times like when we went to my grandparents' house. See, my grandparents loved the color white. And every time they moved into a new house, they would paint all the walls white. They would have white couches and white pillows and white sheets. And of course, white carpet. There was a hard and fast rule. If you want to come to Nana and Papa's house, you have to take off your shoes before you even step inside because otherwise you would ruin the white carpet. And sometimes if you're an eight-year-old boy who likes to play outside and finds mud all of the time, even your socks are not clean enough for Nana and Papa's carpet. I remember once we were going to stay a week at their house and my mom took all of my white socks and bleached and bleached and bleached them until they looked sparkling new until I went to put them on and my foot went right through the end of them. Did not work. There are times in life where mostly clean is not enough. There are times when you're trying to get to a white carpet kind of place. But what do you do if you need to get to a white carpet place, but you are soap ruining level dirty? Sometimes you can find yourself at an impasse like the woman in Mark chapter five. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please, come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Now, if you're following along from home in a 21st century American worldview, you're probably saying to yourself, what's the big deal? Jesus healed lots of people, people who were worse off than this lady. Why didn't she just go and ask him for healing? Here's why. 
because she didn't live in 21st century America. She lived in first century AD Israel. And in that culture and in that time, this woman was not only unwell, she was unclean. Unclean. Let me take you to a quick piece of the Old Testament so that you can relate to where she was coming from. And remember, when I'm talking about the Old Testament, for this lady at that time, there was nothing old about it. That was the present law. That was God's voice to the nation of Israel. And these were the things you were expected to live by. Okay? Listen to this. Leviticus chapter 15, starting in verse 19. The Bible says, When a woman has a regular flow of blood, the impurity of her monthly period will last for seven days, and anyone who touches her will be unclean until evening. Okay? No touching during the period. Anything she lies on during her period will be unclean. Anything she sits on will be unclean. And anyone who touches anything she sits on will be unclean. You getting the picture here? Okay? It's, it's just, it's like completely off limits. You're going to make anything related to you physically in any way unclean. Just kind of isolate, stay to yourself till that time is over, and then you're back to usual. For most ladies, that was the normal thing. They were used to that. This woman had a different problem. We saw earlier, she had been having not the regular monthly cycle. She had had a, a nonstop problem with this for 12 years. Here's what the Bible says about folks who are in that spot. Verse 25, when a woman has a discharge of blood for many days at a time, other than her monthly period, or has a discharge that continues beyond her period, she will be unclean as long as she has the discharge. Okay? Some of you are like, wow, we talk about everything in church. This is really weird. Guys here are like, okay, some of you guys, I know there are some husbands out there that you're like, all right, if I have to buy those feminine hygiene products on the way home, I'm going to get like a hammer and some manly stuff and kind of hide it. And, okay, it's just part of life. It's part of life. But it wasn't just a part of life for this woman. This was, this was a major issue. This is a major problem because that whole just for a week, don't come close to me and then I can go back to normal is one thing. But if that continues nonstop for 12 years, years you're stuck in a state of being unclean and you can write this down in your notes in the old testament unclean meant unwelcome it means you're on the outside it means stay away until you're clean again so you don't mess everybody else up further on in that same chapter the bible says this you must keep uh, sorry leviticus 15:31 you must keep the israelites separate from things that make them unclean so they will not die in their uncleanness for defiling my dwelling place, which is among them. Now, you read this and you think, man, God is a serious white carpet snob. Why? Why, if he knew humanity would be a mess, why is he so cleanliness oriented? Well, God is using these things, these moments, these times in the Old Testament, and he's using external examples to, to teach and to prepare us for an internal truth. And that internal truth is that God is perfect and any sin in us, any imperfection at all, makes us not clean enough to spend time in his presence, to be with him. 
So he's using things about uncleanliness. There were a lot of laws about cleanliness in the Old Testament. You couldn't touch dead animals. You'd have to do this ritual cleansing thing. If you got mold in your house, you had to do all of this stuff for it. And I mean, really, if you, if you want to get some weird passages in the Bible, just read through Leviticus. There's all kinds of, well, if this, if this wound has a yellow pus on it, then you do this. And if it's green, then yeah, it's kind of weird. But, but the sum total is trying to teach, trying to instill this idea that God is holy, that he's different, that he is other, that he is untainted by the broken things in the world. And if you want to be in God's presence, you also have to be holy. You have to be clean. You have to be set apart. And so in the Old Testament, unclean meant unwelcome. And, and this lady, not only could she, nobody could come close to her, but you had to be clean in order to go to the temple to pray. Okay, the, the women would go to the outer courts of the temple and they'd meet together and they'd pray and they'd bring their requests to God. Not if you're this lady. She has to stay away until she's clean. Well, she can't. She's tried everything she could think of for 12 years. She can't become clean. And if that wasn't bad enough, the uncleanliness, it was multiplied, it was, it was intensified for anyone who was a minister for anyone who is doing stuff for God it, it helps to illustrate a, a passage that many of you have heard before maybe you've heard of um, the Good Samaritan it's a kind of a it's become adopted in American culture and sometimes people have heard of this and they've never even read it in the Bible but Jesus tells a story and let me highlight a piece of that Luke chapter 10 Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant, uh, literally a Levite, someone who works in the temple, walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side of the road and you think man those guys are jerks this dude's like laying here bleeding and dying and they're like oh, get away from me you weirdo it, it helps when you understand that in that culture in that time these two guys that that Jesus you know illustrates here they were headed to the temple to do the Lord's work they were headed to do something very important something that was spiritual something that was on behalf of the nation of Israel I have a very important job. And if they were to even accidentally touch this man, they didn't know if he was alive or dead. And if he's there dead and they were happened to touch him, they were unclean and they could not do any service for the Lord for the rest of the day. Now, you know, some of you guys, you're like, well, I accidentally hit a squirrel on the way to work. Sorry, I can't come in. You know, see you next time. That sounds good. Not for these guys, okay? Really bad. Some of you, I know, if you could do that, you know, cats has a squirrel hitting excuse policy. You're, you're swerving this way. You're like, get back here. You put it in reverse. Got him. So bad. So bad. And that they want it. I'm like, just run in a straight line. Why are you different story for a different time write this down in your notes this is going to be important in just a minute if a minister in this time someone who's working on behalf of the Lord if a minister became unclean he or she would be disqualified for service until they were clean again okay now Jesus in this time already had a reputation around town 
for being someone who could heal diseases, for being someone who could cast out evil spirits, for being someone who could do miraculous things. But he had this reputation that sort of spreads by word of mouth, and there was an important piece that kind of got latched onto this, um, this sort of urban legend of Jesus of Nazareth who does this stuff. And the, the thing goes, if he touches you, you'll be healed. If you remember in the passage we watched, and by the way, let me take a minute to just say thank you to our friends at the Lumo Project for giving us permission to use these videos in our services. Um, it's verse by verse from the Bible, and if, you, if you're ever studying the Bible and you just need to mix it up, you can go to the YouVersion Bible app and you can actually just watch the New Testament. It's very cool. But anyway, so we saw in that passage that, that this, holy, this religious leader, Jairus, he comes to Jesus and he says, my daughter is sick, if you will just come and lay your hands on her, she'll be healed. Jesus, I need you to be a miracle maker. I need you to come and touch this daughter of mine. The problem is, here's a woman who's in need, but she is untouchable. Consider, okay, and just, I want you to take a minute to try to put yourself in her shoes and try to relate to what she's going through at this moment when Jesus comes into town. Okay, for, for 12 years... Anything that you touch is unclean. Anyone who touches you is unclean. What does that mean when it comes to physical affection? There isn't any. Okay? I'm talking any kind, right? There's no hug. There's no handshake. Everyone's like, don't touch this lady. Stay away. Okay? Consider this. Okay? If, if you're having a problem with your regular menstrual cycle... What can you not produce? Children. No kids. No family. In a day and age where the greatest the desire in a young woman's heart was not to go and become the CEO of a company. It was to have a, a home full of children. To raise her children and raise good kids and see them grow and see them get married and watch it. Not this lady. Nobody. And you can't go and have... A, a, a social life because anyone that you accidentally touch becomes unclean and then they have to go through this whole process before they can go back to regular life which means you are you are like almost in house arrest imagine the misery of 12 years of that being your life and spending everything that you had and getting no better so you've got okay so imagine where she's at mentally i am so desperate for things to change. I'm so desperate to be lovable again. I'm so desperate to have friends again. I'm so desperate for human interaction of any kind. I'm so starving for this. And this guy is the one guy who could fix it. The problem is he fixes people by touching them and I'm untouchable. What a dilemma to be stuck in. What an unfortunate crossing of the rules there. So here's what she does. She does probably what you and I would have done. Mark 5, 27 and 28. She heard the reports about Jesus and she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment for she, she said to herself, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. She says, I know, right? I am the, I am the dirty one. 
I am the unclean one, and I don't want to mess things up, but I'm so desperate. If maybe I just did the very littlest possible. In fact, Luke's account specifies that she touched the tassel on the corner of his outer robe. This is the, the least amount that you could possibly physically interact with Jesus. She's trying very hard to stay hidden in the crowd. Let me just sneak up, touch him. I know he's so powerful that even the slightest touch would heal me. I'm so desperate, I so need this, but I don't wanna get in trouble. Let me just do the littlest possible to interact with Jesus, then I'll get what I need and I can slink back into the shadows and then I can have a life again. And it sounded like a great plan, but like so many of our plans, it kind of went off the rails. Mark 5, 29. The Bible says, immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Everybody go, yes! yes. Woo! Okay? Jesus was absolutely as powerful as she thought. She had faith that even the, even the tiniest, smallest interaction with Jesus could change what she's going through, and it did. Verse 30, and Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? Everybody say, oh no. Right? <laughs> You go from great to oh no, because the plan was sneak in, touch the guy, get the healing, and then get out of there. But Jesus stops everything and he says, wait a minute, who just touched me? Okay. Imagine, if you're this woman, you have this plan. Imagine the shock, like the cold shivers that run down your spine when Jesus of Nazareth stops in his tracks and spins around and says, who just touched me? right like my heart's going to skip several beats in that moment and his disciples now mark mark we believe most theologians and i agree uh, believe that mark is peter's accounting of the gospel peter and mark were friends mark was probably better at writing than peter was okay so they uh luke records uh the same event with a couple of different details from a different perspective but mark says the disciples this is probably peter and the guy said to him jesus you, you see the crowd pressing around you and you say who touched me they're like boss seriously man like everybody's touching you you're in a mob of people they all think you're cool right everybody how can you say who touched everybody touched me it, it's it's like trying to figure out where did i get covid from i don't know could have been everybody. I was at Walmart yesterday. It's like 600 people in there. How can you ask that, Jesus? But verse 32, and he looked around to see who had done it. He didn't just let it go. He was intent on figuring this out. He was intent on finding out who just touched me because it wasn't just a touch. Jesus said, I felt this healing power emanate from me somebody just got a miracle and i want to know who it is you say well didn't jesus know everything no the holy spirit knew everything and there were plenty of times in the bible where the holy spirit would tell jesus things that he couldn't possibly humanly know but jesus was living by the same set of rules that you and i do it was a legitimate question who just touched me luke's gospel uh, mentions that this woman had tried to hide and everyone denies it and it was only after everybody else had denied it and there was only one person left she finally comes forward to admit it was me now consider the range of outcomes for
for this lady in that moment. Because everybody there knows the rules. Everybody there grew up learning the rules about unclean and clean and what you can do and what you cannot do. And everybody knows if this woman just pushed through the crowd to touch Jesus, who else did she touch on the way? A whole bunch of people. Okay? She broke the law like 55 times in the last two minutes. And officially, right, this was not like a crime punishable by death, officially. But who would like to be in a mob of people? Okay, just take it back to COVID. Imagine pushing through a crowd of people and, uh, and, and they discover, oh my goodness, this person has COVID and they're coughing and sneezing on everybody and they all look around and who, oh, it was you. You knew you were contagious and you came and now we're all going to have to go through that. I mean, dragging her out back and beating her half to death is not outside of the, the normal outcomes for something like this. She was terrified. And Jesus said, who touched me? And what she did, how she responded is the same way that you and I do whenever we've messed things up, whenever we know that we've been on the bad side. Write this down. Your mess will drive you to fear and avoid God. The woman, Mark 5, Oh, wait, let's put that back up. I'll wait a minute. Make sure you can write that down. Okay. It's true. Every time your mess will drive you to fear and avoid God. I want to hide. Adam and Eve in the garden. God comes down. Where are you? We're hiding because we're embarrassed because we mess things up. Mark 5.33 says, The woman, knowing what had happened to her, came, listen, in fear and trembling, and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. She was terrified, understandably so, because, remember, she touched a, a holy man. By her understanding of the law, what happened the moment that she touched him? Now he can't do anything. Now he's unclean. I just made the soap dirty. Oh no. Even if she's not afraid of the people around, she's probably afraid of this guy because he's like, seriously, woman? I'm on a mission. I'm walking over here to try to do a miracle and save somebody's life, and you come up here, now you've made me unclean. I can spend the rest of the day in isolation and do this ritual washing and all of this stuff before I can do anything for God again. You dirtied the soap. What were you thinking? I remember when I was a boy, my dad, little boy, my dad had the original NES. Did anybody remember the original? We had a copy of that, a big copy for Easter. Original NES. Everything was wired. No wireless controllers back in the good old days. And I was probably five, and dad was at work, and so I, mom had the NES out, and she let me play, and I was playing Super Mario Brothers. And I don't remember how uh, Mario died. It probably was like level one. But I remember as a kid being so upset, I'm like, oh man, well, I didn't think when I went like this that it was still tethered to the NES. And so when I yanked down on the controller, the whole thing came off of the giant like room-sized console that we put the TV in, you know? And, and it, wouldn't, it wouldn't turn back on. And uh, just so you know, my dad, never a moment in his life, 
never abusive in any way. Okay? Did not have an anger problem. But as a five-year-old, I knew that I had broken his Nintendo. And when I heard the car pull up in the driveway when dad got home from work, I ran and I hid under my bed because I was afraid because I had done something bad and I felt guilty for it. This woman was terrified and so many times you and I have broken God's law and we know it. And even if we know, even if we've received forgiveness, we're still afraid to interact with him, to confront him because it's like, man, I know I've done a bad thing. This is right where she is. But it's important to understand why Jesus spun around and said, who touched me? It was not because he wanted to mete out judgment. Jesus said, who touched me? Because he felt someone just got a miracle. Someone needs something from me. He turned around to say, who touched me? Because he wanted to see who needed him to minister to her. And the thing you need to understand, write this down, is that God is not afraid of your mess. God's not afraid of your mess. The soap is not afraid of whatever grime you can put on it. Mark 5:34. This is a really interesting passage. Peter records this specifically, and this is important. Jesus said to her, "Daughter." And there's power in that word. It's important to note this is the only time in scripture that Jesus is ever recorded addressing anyone by this term. Okay? It's not a special term, it's just the term that means daughter. But in this moment, Jesus looks at this woman. We don't know how old or young she was. And he says, daughter. And in that moment, I believe that there was this, this glimmer of hope, this this tiny breath of relief when she realizes that she's not speaking to a judge, she's speaking to a father figure. He says, daughter. See, Jesus saw the need in her and he stopped everything. Remember, you guys remember what this crowd is on the way to do? He's on a mission. You remember what the mission is from the beginning? Let's go save somebody's life. He's on a mission to go save somebody's life, and not just any somebody. The leader of the, the, the religious group, okay, the whole, like, like the big pastor in town that everybody knows, it's his daughter. And Jesus is on the way to save somebody's life, and he stops everything, and he says, wait a minute, before I take one more step, there's someone who needs my attention right here, and it's this woman who is broken and untouchable unlovable and had been isolated for more than a decade Jesus was not afraid of her mess in fact he pauses the whole show he doubles down and he says let me let me help you let let me minister to you let me continue to interact with you it's easy to get the idea of because heaven is this white carpet place that you have to be perfect to get into. It's easy to get this idea that God is searching through humanity, looking for an excuse to fail everybody. Because even the slightest imperfection causes you to fail the test. 
God said, you must be holy because I am holy. <laughs> Impossible. And here's Jesus, the son of God, who... God doesn't experience time the same way that we do, but if you consider all of human history up until about 32 years before this, Jesus, the Son of God, has been totally unblemished, completely holy in every way, surrounded by everything that is completely holy. There's no problems, there's no pain, there's no suffering, there's no sports team that you don't like. See, I just left it open. I didn't even say Packers this time. I just said sports team, right? No, no, I didn't say it. Okay. There's none of that. This guy's perfect. Let me share this. It, many of you guys can relate to this. I have four children. Jennifer, I'm sure you've been in this spot, right? It, there are those times, right? Some of you guys, you're, you're still in it, okay? I have four children. Every once in a while, little kid will get a stomach bug. And you guys, that you've had kids, you understand, little kids do not have the wherewithal to run to the toilet and vomit into the toilet, right? It just goes wherever they happen to be standing or sitting or lying, just blah, right there, okay? Now, I remember times when as a parent, the only way to give help to this kid is just, we'd sit in the bathtub with them because I can rinse the bathtub out again and again and again. Because I... I didn't just say, clean yourself up, kid. Now, do I enjoy having vomit? No, that's disgusting. Smells bad. It looks bad. It makes me want to vomit myself. But I I don't want you to miss this. God could have been good and just and stood up in heaven and said, well, that's your mess. Clean it up, humanity. I'm not getting into the middle of that. Here's how unafraid of your mess that God is. Jesus said, I have perfection, but I'm not afraid to get mess on myself. I'll do whatever I have to do to be with them so that I can bring salvation to them see I do this when Chad's not here because he's in charge of cleaning it up (laughs) you say Chris you just ruined your white shirt why did you do that why would you it's perfectly good this is literally the first time I've ever put this garment on it's literally brand new no stains no anything why would you do that why would you so I could present a truth to you Jesus took on the sins of humanity willingly. Willingly. We broke God's commandments. We broke his law. We made a mess. We were so dirty that nothing that we could do could possibly make us clean. And Jesus said, I'll jump down into the mess with them to help them. I will get dirty myself if it means getting them clean because he's not afraid of your mess. And Jesus was not too busy dealing with the people who have all their stuff together where he didn't stop the whole show and the whole crowd and say, wait a minute, everything else can wait. This woman needs help. That's you. That's that's an example of you and me in our mess, in our uncleanliness, in our sin. 
Jesus stepped into that. And here's what's amazing. When that moment when she touched Jesus, officially, by the rules, anyone who was in their own way righteous would have been made unclean. But write this down. She didn't make him unclean. He made her clean. See, that, that officially by the law, by the rules, by the you must figure this out to get good enough to be with God, she ruined his day. But Jesus, Jesus was beyond those rules. This is the first taste for that woman of something that you and I enjoy today. That's the idea that no matter what I bring to God, no matter what mess I bring, there is a cleanliness that trumps all of it. In Mark 5, 34, he says, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. There's nothing that you can bring to him that, that will in any way tarnish him. There's nothing. God's not up there saying, well, listen, I'd love to have you in this church with my other holy people, but you got some issues. If you figure those things out first, he doesn't ask her to go through a ritual cleaning before. She just said, I need help. And Jesus said, you got it, sister. I'm here for you. And the, the last thing to write down, and it's so important for us, it's so important for us to get in our minds, no matter what the mess is, grace wins. Grace wins. Watch this. Write that down in your notes. No matter what the mess is, no matter what the mess is, grace wins. Grace wins. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not mostly clean, all the way clean. But there's an important clause in that verse. It was important for that woman and it's important for you if we confess our sins. And confessing your sin requires coming near the Savior. It requires you pushing through that crowd and you being bold enough to come and ask for help. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. It's hard and you're going to need some boldness because everything in you is going to say, you need to push away. You need to stay away. You're stepping onto God's white carpet. You don't belong here. Clean yourself up first. But I want you to think about the woman in Mark chapter 5. Imagine if she had looked at that dilemma and said, no, it's too risky. Can't do it. No, I might get myself into trouble. No, this is my lot in life. I am broken at the core and this is my cross to bear. I have to go through life as a victim. She could have sat in her house and listen to the crowd pass by and the savior and the healing that would have changed her life would have gone right by her door and she would have missed it. I want you to understand the savior is right by your door and there's healing no matter what the mess is in your life, whether it's in your past or whether it's a struggle in your present. 
There's grace for you, but it requires you having the boldness to seek it out. And your spiritual enemy, the devil, would love nothing more than to convince you that you need to just bear that, that that's a, a mess, a burden that God requires for you to walk through the rest of life with, that you belong on the outside, that you're not like the others, that you're too far to fix, barely saved, but you need to stay on the outside. And I want you to know that is a lie. It's a lie. God has opened the door for you, not as your judge, as your father, to bring forgiveness to you and to heal you and to clean you and give you truly a fresh start, a clean slate. But you have to take that first step. So don't let your mess push you away from the Savior. Have boldness. Take courage, push through the crowd and lean in and confess your sins and find the forgiveness to give your life a true, clean, fresh start. Hey, this is Pastor Chris again. Thanks for listening. If today's talk was helpful in your spiritual life, odds are there's someone you know who could benefit from it. Take a minute right now to share it with them. And if you live in the area, come try out a service in person because church is more fun with friends. See you next time.